we're back. It's been a while. We're actually in studio this time together. Thank God. Yeah. So, yeah, no more, uh, Freddie, I can't hear you. Or you Those last muffled. two episodes were brutal. <laughs> brutal. That was just one night of filming or whatever the hell that was. That was, that was a tough night, I remember. Um, yeah, that, um, that was just an experiment that should never have been attempted. Well, there was a number of reasons why uh, do, we did do, that do, that do. night. But, um, but today, you know, we have a very important episode and is one that I definitely wanted to give you time to to talk about um <clears throat> i'll be honest i didn't expect this to be the segment that starts the show but i'll do it i guess to get it out of the way and get back to normalcy and get back to life um so <clears throat> it's no secret to everybody here why this podcast is called curbed wheels it's no secret to everybody here and anybody who knows me or follows me on social media that i am physically disabled i um spent my entire collegiate career in special education and when you're in special education you need certain types of assistances um I am one of those people who's disabled that doesn't require a lot of physical help, if any. But my deficiencies are more mental. And although that's never almost seen or displayed on this show, it's still very visible sometimes. Um, <clears throat> I had the privilege of being aligned with two beautiful people during my special education collegiate career. Uh, one of them was uh, an aide. They call them dedicated aides. So when people with disabilities have assistants or helpers with them, they're called dedicated aides. And those aides go to the classes, take notes, help you with your work. They do everything that you know, you're allowed to do under your contract, right. if you will. So, so, because uh, I remember as a, I, I guess I remember seeing aides in uh, elementary school, and they would mm -hmm. stay with the student the entire day. Mm -hmm. And I remember just being like, wow, like it's almost like it almost feels like a parent who's yep. with with you the whole time. Yep. And uh, yep. so that's that's what you had. That's what I had. Okay. Um, the first guy that ever worked with me that I was privileged to meet was a gentleman by the name of Anthony Newman. He was with me from third grade all the way to my eighth grade year wow, wow. We, we were we were second grade so second grade wow. we were inseparable but see with special education you stay with one teacher for a certain period of time right so in a sense you know i grew with him you know and um the tragic irony for newman for anthony was that he started out on his own two legs Loved me dearly. I grew very close to him. He basically taught me the ins and outs of being a man when I wasn't around my dad. He would teach me how to act. And, tell, and he did more than his job. Mm -hmm. That's the short version. Everybody who knows me knows that I get very close to people very easily. I've said that on the show quite a few times already. Kirby, I've discussed it with you. We started out as strangers on the comedy scene. Now we're doing the show and we have a 
quite a good relationship. We do. We Even, do. We got a. We got a very special. Like to me, it was nice to hear Mark. You know, say he's listened to our sh- episodes and he thought we were hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> and I understand that I come into your house. I, you know, you do, you know, you cater to me as best you can and I annoy the living hell out of you. Yes. Yes, you do. I do. <laughs> Are you saying that honestly or are you just kidding? No. I mean, like, yes <laughs> and no. Like, yes, you do. Um, there's a lot of things that I'm not going to discuss, but sure, there are I know, things that I know. I'm like, come on, Freddie. <laughs> but, you know, but you know what? That's in a weird way. I guess that's my version of showing love. It's mm-hmm. just to annoy. Um, but anyway, so I worked with Anthony for quite a while. He became my second father. He was there alongside my stepfather, Luis, you know, to coach me, to, to, to instruct me, and really to raise me. Anything that I couldn't talk to my parents about, I talked to him about. As I said before, even one memory that's so special was that he actually, when I had surgery on both of my legs and was in a full body cast and it was time for me to go back to school, he would actually carry me to the bathroom. Wow. Carry me to the bathroom. All right. So after, of course, after you stop working together with people, you lose touch. He was Mm -hmm. one of those people that I never lost touch with. That's good. We didn't talk every day, but I never lost touch with him. I knew when I needed to go to him. And in the last two or three years of his life, he was in a he was in a wheelchair. The tragic irony of that: he was in a car accident and then became paralyzed from the neck down. Oh wow! When he passed away in 2015, it was a very, very hard death. At that time, I was only two years removed from losing my grandmother. So. You never think you're going to meet people like that again. Then comes high school. I moved to Maryland in 2006. Went to Eleanor Roosevelt High School. Very proud to be from Eleanor Roosevelt. One of my fondest memories in life was my four-year high school career there. In that process, I met a woman. I was introduced to work with a woman by the name of Charlotte Galisonau. Now, the weird story about Charlotte and I is that it had been deemed automatically. So, you see, sometimes, you know, having a one-on-one or a dedicated aide, you don't get to choose. Right. It's the best person assigned for for the student that meets that need. Okay. You know? And Charlotte and I met in 2007. And when I met Charlotte in 2007... I was expecting to meet some youngster out of college mm-hmm. or, or out of graduate school. Instead, I met a 56, she'll kill me. She would kill me <laughs> if I didn't know her age. Instead, I met a mid-50s mother of four from Colorado who moved to Maryland Because her husband got a job at the Discovery Channel. What was then Discovery Channel. Right. Okay. And the funny thing about her was that I call her a bloodhound from time to time. She smelled bullshit. 
<laughs> and she was a fantastic smeller of bullshit. Well, if you're a young teenager and you said she's in her mid fifties, I'm sure she would be able to smell bullshit. Right oh no, no, this is the thing. Some you smell bullshit good, but she'll take you to school on smelling bullshit. Mm-hmm. Respect, respect to your skills, homeboy. <laughs> but Charlotte wound up becoming more than just an aid to me over the years. Mm-hmm. Charlotte would. Because I'll be honest with you. I, I like to say this to people that don't understand this story. There are two versions of myself. There are two versions of me. I see you looking at your phone. I'm going to try to make it easy. No, no, no. I'm actually not really... But um, there are two versions of, of me that need to be told for this story to be understood. When Charlotte and I first met, I was a 16-year-old kid who was very comfortable with his life, was very comfortable with making excuses, was very comfortable with having excuses made for him, and expected people to roll with those excuses. I Basically, I wanted to stay on the easy pathway out. One of those examples would be uh, when I was in Spanish class my sophomore year, I thought, what the fuck do I need Spanish class for? I'm Latino, this is... Some bullshit to me. <laughs> okay. While I would take the test, and I'd be done in five minutes. Mm-hmm. While I was waiting for the other kids to finish the test and for the lesson plan to actually happen, I was reading the sports page of the Washington Post that I would take every day from the library. That was a habit that Newman had taught me, that Anthony had taught me. When you're done with your work, you can read the sports page. Like, that was my treat growing up as a kid. Mm-hmm. He basically got me interested in sports and and keeping up with sports. But I remember this short lady, five foot five, coming into the room with a, oh, hell no, look in her eye. (laughs) She walks into the room. She rips the newspaper out out of my hands, rolls it up, and in front of the whole Spanish class. Hits you with it. Wonks me with it in the back of the head. She wonked you in the head with the newspaper? Yep. Oh, that must have hurt. But she didn't. She was smart. <laughs> she knew the legal system. <laughs> what she did was she cuffed her hand within the paper. Oh, okay. okay. So it would gave the appearance that there was actually a sound when the paper made contact with my head. Okay. She was smart. And she was like, what the hell are you doing? And mind you, this is in front of the whole class. I'm a high school junior at this, uh, sophomore at this point. She whacks me in the back of the head and she's like, what the hell are you doing? I was like, well, I'm reading the sports page. What did you take it away from me for? Because you have the lowest grade in the class for somebody who speaks Spanish. You should be ashamed of yourself. Oh, wow. Cocky being cocky doesn't turn out good. You know, doesn't turn out so good. I was like, holy fuck, Granny. You didn't have to put my news out there on Front Street for everybody. <laughs> but as we were walking back to, to, as we were walking to another class, she's like, do you know why I did that to you? I was like, now that I think of it, no. Why? Why did you hit me in the back of the head? Because you're smarter than the stupidity you're showing. <laughs> oh, I would agree with that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that, that came from her. She doesn't know me. We didn't spend a degree of time together outside of school. Right. She's not a family member. Mm-hmm. But this is somebody who says that to you? When I, what, whatever excuse I gave her about something being difficult because I was disabled, she would shit on that. Mm-hmm. She would wipe her ass with that.
So it seems like she was pretty, she was just very direct with you. I never had somebody so in my face about the greatness that I could achieve. And so then what happened after Every, high school then? Everybody would tell, well, everybody would tell me, oh, you're due for great things. You can speak Spanish. You're due for great things. Mm-hmm. She brought it out of me. She brought that, 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 um, she brought that beast out mm-hmm. in me that, you know, I'd already been, I had already been doing ROTC before I met her at a high school uh, in D.C. because I used to live in D.C. When I came to MD, there were a lot of reservations about letting me do ROTC because people didn't think I could keep up with the physical demands. Right. But I did it. The special ed department, she and the special ed department went to bat for me and were like, let him in. Of course he can't go to boot camp. Of course he can't physically march. Right. But let the guy put his skills to the test. And they accepted me, and I wound up becoming a uh, senior master sergeant. I graduated with the rank of senior master sergeant. And I held the record. This is going to be very hard for you to believe. But I actually held the record of uh, most push-ups and sit-ups in a PT test for the two-minute drill. Wow, that's that's big. 65 push-ups. I think it was 120 push-ups and 65 sit-ups. And did you beat the, the rest of the class? I, I set the record. That oh, you was, set the record? I set the record. Wow, your classmates must have been pretty they, they were like, how in the blue hell did he pull <laughs> that off? Like They were like, oh, he's handicapped. He doesn't even have to get his shoulders off the ground. No, they were counting. Right. Shoulders are coming off the ground. That's a damn sit-up regardless. Mm-hmm. And um, anyway, so in my senior year, I had the weight of the world on my shoulders. I had problems that were going on at home. My, or I should say, my family's problems affected me to the point where they affected my relationship with her. Mm-hmm. And one day I just snapped on her. And um, This is your senior year? Yeah, this is my senior year. And I was so displeased and displeasured. I don't know what the... F- I really don't know what was going on with me at the time. I really don't. I just insulted her on multiple occasions and oh my god I look back on it now and with a lot of regret but anyway she did stopped did you apologize to her? She, I'll get to that okay. she, she and I stopped working with each other they transferred her to another student they had me go in on my own for the rest of the year whoa wow yeah she was working with, she stayed in Maryland she was working at the same school but she was transferred to another student how did you feel? When she worked with another student. Well, of course. I mean, I was I was angry, right? Like, I mean, I still I'm sorry for snapping at you, but I want you back. Like that was the whole mentality. Wow. You know what I mean? Like okay. that 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 you know. Yeah, yeah. But it doesn't happen that way. You don't. Those are switches you don't make. I those see. those are changes you don't make so easily. And they couldn't just replace no. her. No. 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 But I will say this. At the very very end of the year. Um, so toward winter break, I had decided that I needed to go have surgery on my legs because I was in constant pain. Mm-hmm. And plus, it was a perfect coinciding with the fact that when you're in high school, I don't know about you, but I watch a lot of movies and you often call me a big dreamer. Yes, I do. <laughs> I was one of those people where I wanted to have like that American pie high school moment. I wanted to have that big moment 
where my name would be remembered in high school lore, so to speak. Okay. All right, because I wasn't a jock. I wasn't a nerd. I didn't have any real academics to my to my name. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, my yearbook quote was a Stone Cold Steve Austin T-shirt quote: "Do unto others before they do unto you." Like that was my <laughs> that's my high school yearbook quote. And it came from a. Do you stone still feel that way though about high school? Do you feel like people would still remember you? Yes. Why? Because <laughs> I because again my attitude and I'll explain. I mean that. I understand like when you're eighteen or seventeen, eighteen, you're in your senior year of high school. Yeah, you feel that way. Like I want to be remembered. I want you know. But it was di- to- but it was different for me. Why so? Because so? because this was the first time. Seriously. This was the first time that I was in a school where I was the minority. Because I'd always been going to schools and places for people with intellectual disabilities or where I would go to uh, what they call regular school. Right. But I was put into special ed programs. Mm -hmm. Fuck that. With Maryland, it wasn't like that. They were like, we consider you special education. But we integrate you with everybody. Damn right. Okay. And But I think that's good. And you only get one special ed class. One. Do you think that was beneficial though? Absolutely. Okay. Because it taught me normalcy. Mm-hmm. It taught me how to really bond with people, make friends, and just... This is going to sound really dickish, and Lord forgive me. This is the first time I was placed in something that was out of my element. Being that I wasn't in a class full of people in wheelchairs or intellectually challenged individuals. Okay. I was put in what they call normal classes. Okay. In this high school, special education time coincided with one class where you caught up with all of your work from your previous classes. That was the standard for special education. This was more of like a study hall. Then. Yes. Yeah. Yep. It was a study hall for special ed. Okay. So let's. Uh, so, what was the resolution like? Okay. So you you snapped at, at um, Charlotte. So snapped I, at Charlotte. I snapped at Charlotte, and um, and what happened? You know, I wound up going to surgery, and I wound up just being really, really depressed. And the first person that I reached out to. As soon as I transferred over to surge, to the rehab unit mm-hmm. was Charlotte. And Charlotte, you know, Charlotte essentially was like, okay, Fred. She, she called me Fred. She never called me. She only called me Freddy when things got serious, but she always called me Fred. <laughs> okay. She was like, okay, Fred, this is what's going to happen. <laughs> it makes me cry and it makes me laugh. First of all, you're going to stop being a bitch. <laughs> She said that. <laughs> she might not say she said that, but she stretched it out enough. Did she really say bitch? Wow. And I'll tell you where it gets funnier. Okay, okay. You claim to be a badass. These are her words. Okay. You claim to be a badass. You claim to be the guy that wants to, to be famous like your hero, The Undertaker. You claim you want to do something big. This is your opportunity. So pop your titty, uh, so pop your mouth off your mom's titty and go to work. Wow. Boo-hoo. This is what this is what you <laughs> this is what you wanted and this is what you're now crying about. 
wow, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> Who could say anything? Did she really say that? Yes. Oh, wow. I swear, these are memories that I hold dear, Kirby. So, does she always talk to you like that? Fuck yes. <laughs> you know why? Why? Because if I could tell just a little bit of Charlotte's story, it's going to be funny. Go ahead. Charlotte didn't have an easy life. Charlotte had a bad home life. Charlotte, essentially, she built her life. She made her life. She ran away from home at 16. Was she from New York? She sounds like Chicago. a New Yorker. Okay, she's Chicago. A, she's All right, a shy okay. town girl. All right, Chicago. That makes sense. She's a shy town girl. All right. She ran away from home at 16, and she qualified for a summer abroad trip. And it was there that she met her husband of the next 44 years. Wow. They traveled the world. She learned. Charlotte wound up graduating with a degree from San Francisco State. You know what I mean? She went on to have four amazing kids who, by the age of 26, 27, already had two or three degrees under their belt. Hmm. And she was the type of mother. And these, these are just her things, you know, that she would tell me. Now, mind you, she was a former hippie. She used to tell me stories about being a hippie and what life was like in the 60s and getting high in the 60s and being a hippie and, you know, sneaking into Chicago Cubs games. And and being a fan of Ernie Banks and Ron Santo, you know, and just right. talking about it. her beloved. She was a huge, huge Cubs fan. That's awesome. She I was, like her already. <laughs> she was a huge Cubs fan. Huge. She would call them her Cubbies. She would always, 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 always say, this is our year. Well, she got to see them win the World Series. So... I do the whole rehab thing. Turns out great. Graduation comes around. I walk across the stage. I was told by my ex-girlfriend's brother. This is the truth. I was told by my ex-girlfriend's brother, uh, Steven. He was like, dude, I've been to Terps games. I've been to pretty much every event that's been held at the Comcast Center. Because he was also a Roosevelt graduate, and he graduated from the University of Maryland. He's like, I've been to every possible event you could be at at the Comcast Center. And that was the loudest ovation I've ever heard. So I left my moment, I guess. You did. Yeah. But the real moment was when I actually got off stage, and the ceremony was over, and Charlotte was backstage with her student, and I tap her on the shoulder... I gave her a hug, said I'm sorry, and uh, she was like, you know what, you made me cry. She was like, I knew you could pull it off, and she leaned into my ear. She was like, I knew you were a bad son of a bitch. <laughs> the whole point. Wait, let me ask you this before, go you, before you go. Um, did you have any animosity towards the other student that she uh, was helping? Were you kind of a little jealous? Jealous, yes, but animosity toward the other student, no. And you're like, ha, she likes me better than you. <laughs> no, no, it was it was more like, damn, I should have kept my fucking mouth shut. Oh, uh, okay. You yeah. know? But I'm just curious, who did that student have as a as a previous? Like, uh, I'm surprised they didn't switch them around. Well, she was, well, well, the student, the student, the student had two previous aides okay. before Charlotte. But both aides left. Okay. In in consecutive years, and the other student didn't have anybody. I see. 
So they substituted Charlotte. Look, since he's disgruntled and he can do this on his own, then leave him alone. Right. You know, we're going to leave him alone and send you to work, you know, let you work with somebody who really needs help. Sorry to cut you off, but so, okay, so so tell me what, uh, what were you going to say after you tapped her on the shoulder and she told you she were the badass? I told her thank you. Mm -hmm. I told her thank you. And then about nine months after, so in 2010, I called her up one day. She moved back to Colorado by this point. Mm -hmm. But in 2010, I called her up and I, I told her, I said, Mom, I called her Mom at this point because I didn't call her Charlotte. I, I called her Miss G. Miss G. But that was for prefer- professional reasons, you know, back in the day. Mm-hmm. But she was like, you know, you can call me Charlotte, right? We no longer work together. I was like, no, I don't. No, no, you know, you no, you don't just drop that habit. So I said, Mom, I'm sorry for the way I treated you. And she said, you know, I knew you were meant for greatness, but you don't have to be a fucking dick about it, mm-hmm. and you don't have to let other people's problems take you down with them. Right. It's just it, the the whole peacemaking session was just a bunch of you don't have tos, but you have tos. Mm-hmm. And she said you really were a jerk. She's like you, she's like you were a dick. I didn't deserve what you said. I didn't deserve what you did. And over the years, yeah, you're damn right she didn't. You know. I was a very, very angry young man. And I don't know why. Maybe because the future was changing. Maybe because I was gonna go to college. I don't I don't know. It could have been a whole bunch of things. Right. Teen angst though. Teen angst. That's a real thing. But to take it out on somebody as bad as I did is not right. You know, we all make mistakes, especially as teenagers. Sometimes you don't realize um, the consequences until after, you know, things are done. And um, she's responsible. And people, she never liked when I said this. She would always give me the credit for doing the work. But I think, I look, I look, like, I look at life like this. There are certain people who you're born to, your family. Then... There are certain people who make you. There are certain people who have a hand in making you. Anthony and Charlotte basically made me. Charlotte brought out the personality that you've been friends with over the last five or six years. Had it not been for Charlotte, I wouldn't be a stand-up comedian. I wouldn't have learned to embrace my disability. Did you ever share any of her, your stand-up with her? She was at my very first show. Remember the show I told you I did at the Topaz? Oh, yeah. She was there. Oh, yeah. Okay. She was at my very first show. Mm-hmm. If I ever find that camera, I'm going to go back and I'm going to watch the video because she's the one holding the camera. Mm. And I can hear her laugh. She right, laughed. Right. You know... I thought I was over this. I th- I thought I was I was over death and despair and having to give these tributes. I'm fucking sick of it, dude. 
I mean, obviously, she was a big part of your life, so, you know. Just it sounds like she was a very, very integral part of you growing up and a huge supporter of you. That's why I wanted to do this portion of the show at the table alone because I knew this was going to come out. Charlotte was a huge, huge makeup of 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 this portion of me enjoying life as much as I have. This is not to defame or disrespect my family, because I because I know what my family's done for me. I know what my family does for me. But Charlotte taught me to look outside of myself, outside of my family, outside of my comfort zone. Charlotte took me outside of my comfort zone and made me face life. She made me face life. She didn't sugarcoat it. She didn't say, this is going to be hard. We're going to make it easy. She would say, this is going to be what it's going to be, but you're prepared to face it. When Anthony died, it was like losing a father. It was like losing a, th- a second father. He and my stepdad are the only two people I've ever considered fathers. Do you? What do you think that thinks? What do you think that means about what I think to the guy whose dick I actually came out of? That guy doesn't mean shit to me compared to Anthony and my stepdad. My mom. As great as my mom is, there are certain things that you can't talk about with your mom, right? Certain things you don't feel comfortable with talking about to your mom. Right. Certain things your mom wouldn't understand. Or certain things your mom would criticize you for instead of being logical or critical. Charlotte was just one of those people. Charlotte was just like, okay, so you want to be a Spanish translator. How do you go about it? What do you do? She was the type of parent to her kids that um, she would tell me whenever I would get pissed about an exam or whenever I would want to quit or not do anything, Charlotte would just be like, look, by age 24, all of my kids already had three degrees. 24? Yep. I, she, she's like, I told my kids, you're not allowed to get married unless you have a master's degree. I'm like, holy fuck, dude. I was like, I'll be single for a while. but But they all did it. I mean, I can see it. If you have an associate's, bachelor's, master's, it could be attainable at 24. I'm not... Yeah. <laughs> well, let's say bachelor's. Bachelor's, yeah. I can see Bachelor that. sounds more logical with the age range anyway. Um, but anyway. Charlotte Galicianow was a huge, huge part of... My makeup as a decent human being outside of my household. My makeup as a person who can act professionally, quote unquote. She taught me how to act professionally. Charlotte Galisa now wasn't just my dedicated age. She was my mom. 
Okay? My mom. My second mom. Let me give some respect to my own mother. My second mom. And the only message I want to share um, is that I wish everybody could have met her. And um, to her kids, Lindsay, Alyssa, Matt, and Josh. She loved each and every one of y'all, man. She made me reach for the heights that you guys had already achieved. To her grandkids, Asher, Kayla, sorry if I'm forgetting anybody, but Bubby loved you. Bubby loved you. And lastly, to Ernie, her husband of 43 years, 44 years. She loved you. She loved you so much. You saved her. And in turn, she was able to save me. So, um... I'm just glad that I got to see you see the Cubs win the World Series and, and the Avalanche win the Stanley Cup. I know you got to see the Denver Broncos win the Super Bowl, too. It's like everything. All of your dreams came true for you, and I'm so happy I got to be around to see it. I love you, and... Thank you so much for the person you helped me become. I really mean that. None of this, the interpreting job, the podcast, none of this would be possible if you hadn't told me that I could fucking do it. Thank you, Charlotte. Thank you, Mom.